From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. Good day, sir. Good day. You didn't say the other part. What's that? The market icon. Oh, the, oh. <laughs> you, you always bring Wait, me on as a market icon. I've kind of gotten used to that. <laughs> I feel good. You are the market icon. That's so uh, wonderful. How you feeling, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We've kind of managed our way through this COVID-19 thing with the kids and school. And uh, I'm excited about uh, November 3rd, although I have early voted. And, mm. and honestly, all of my spidey vibes are tingling in the forward yay movement. And this is the part of the movie where the flowers start coming back and the grass starts yeah. growing and the dark yeah. clouds go away. And yeah. And we still get a chance to help folk like our guest today. Yeah, because October is National Medicine Abuse Awareness Month. And this is the time to call attention to the dangers of prescription and over-the-counter medicines, which is a bigger problem than a lot of people realize. According to the surveys from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, 20% of teens say that they have taken a prescription drug without having a prescription for it themselves. And 5% re- report uh, abusing over-the-counter cough medicine to get high. Uh, that first part, I know a lot, not only teens, I know adults. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, that, Easy that access, yeah. unfortunately. So uh, on the phone, we have uh, Richard. Richard, how do you say your last name? Capriola. Capriola. There you it's go. Cap- it's Cap. Capriola. Richard Capriola, uh, who recently retired go. from his role as an addiction counselor at the uh, Menninger Clinic right here in Houston. Mm, uh, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys inviting me to the program uh, to talk about this issue and, uh, and, and the book that I wrote on uh, adolescent uh, substance abuse. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, get into that, uh, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Um, well, first, how did you get into um, working as an addiction counselor? Well, uh, I'm a, a, originally from Illinois um, and uh, had worked for a long time uh, in state government in the area of education. I uh, also worked at a regional mental health center in central Illinois. I worked in their crisis center, and we would uh, we would have patients that were sent to us from the hospital emergency rooms. Uh, they didn't want to admit them to the hospital, but didn't feel safe sending them home, so they would send them to the crisis center where we would uh, we would provide services for them for about a week or two. And what I noticed was that a high percentage of those patients that were coming to the crisis center had a substance abuse issue. So I thought, well, I better go back to school and, uh, and learn a little bit more about substance abuse. So I went back to the University of Illinois and obtained a, a master's degree in, uh, in human uh, relations and, and, and substance abuse. And, um, and, and, and became licensed in Illinois as an addictions counselor. And then uh, was offered a job uh, at Menninger Clinic, which is a psychiatric hospital here in Houston, uh, was offered a job as an addictions counselor for both adolescents and adults who have a diagnosis of uh, both a psychiatric disorder and a substance abuse disorder. Um, so my history goes back about two decades when I was uh, started out in mental health and then moved over to addictions. Mm, excellent. So, Richard, what is the title of your book, please? 
Title of my book is uh, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. We have a multitude of listeners who have just joined us today with a podcast, and that title probably has hit home to a lot of people more than the percentages that are often given to us by those numbers. So what is what in all of your experience and your wealth of knowledge, Richard, what or have you been able to determine what would drive a kid to get these prescription drugs and begin to take them and then wake up one day realizing that they are literally hooked on whatever this is? Yeah, I think um, I think you pointed out earlier the easy access to these prescription drugs. Um, especially stimulants like Adderall and Ritalin. Um, you know, students tend to abuse Adderall more than Ritalin because uh, Adderall is more widely prescribed, and I think that it stays in the system a, a lot longer. So a lot of adolescents are prescribed uh, a drug like Adderall or, or Ritalin, um, and, and sometimes they'll sell those drugs to other kids. Um, the other... Uh, prescription drug that is fairly common among adolescents are depressants like uh, like Xanax, for example. Uh, that's probably the most uh, popular prescription drug abused by adolescents. So when you have these drugs that are so widely prescribed and so widely available, uh, it's not unusual that um, teens will uh, not only overuse them, but in some cases begin to sell them for money to, uh, to other students. And before you know it, the cycle of, of abuse and addiction begins to kick in and really it, it gets out of control for a lot of kids. Richard, did, did, did the medical field make a mistake when what I call the alphabet group came out, the ADD, CDC, DDD? Man, get and, out of my head. I was about, I was about all, to bring yeah, that up. All, did did I, we make a mistake in, in – go no, kid, 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 uh, Yeah, kid. I, I was going to bring up that very point. Like, isn't this our fault? Like, didn't we do this? I remember for the last two decades and even part of the, my latter years in, uh, in college, like just hearing about these kids with those same exactly. disorders, yeah. right, that are getting prescribed Ritalin and Adderall and all of that. And so there's a whole generation of kids that grew up on this stuff. And so it's kind of like, to me, I'm like, why are we surprised when we are the ones that created this monster? Well, I, th I think you could say the same thing for, for, for the opiates that are out there, the pain yeah, drug medications that a lot, of, a lot of adults begin to use because they have legitimate pain. I mean, nobody likes to be in pain. But on the other hand, these drugs are so widely available and so quickly and easily prescribed that, that now we're beginning to, 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 to look at just what you said. You know, what have we created here? We've got a generation of kids that are, that are on these either depressants like Xanax or these stimulants. Um, and, and we've got, you know, thousands and thousands of people who are now addicted to opiates. And all of these drugs, um, you know, they, they serve a legitimate purpose. They're, they're good drugs that, that accomplish the, the purpose that they're, they're meant for. But they also have a high addiction potential and, and terrible withdrawal symptoms so that when people try to come off of them, 
And I've seen and I've seen adults that have been prescribed Xanax for, for years and years and years. And you see the doses begin to gradually go up because of tolerance. And then they decide they want to cut back or quit. And it, it's, it's a horrible withdrawal for them. Wow. 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 <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I know. I'm, kid, I'm, yeah. I just kind of got, I'm just lost for words <laughs> because, you know, we always get so outraged when, you know, situations like these, you know, come about, but yet, Sometimes we need a reminder and a look back at history to see where this started. And like, oh, yikes, we did it. Oops. And and we're that hamster on that wheel. Yeah. We're that hamster on the wheel. Richard, how does it stop? <laughs> what do we do? Help. But that's why we want the show today to, to help us in the awareness that you and your fine organization bring. Because as we all know, those of us who've come through any addiction, uh, there is hope at the end. There's always hope, and you can will it through. You can shift drugs to make it through to another level, but eventually, at least for me, it was a mental battle that I had to wake up one day and look Mm -hmm. in the mirror and simply say, you know what, you're better than this, and you need to start finding the help to clean up and get better. Mm -hmm. Yes, Every, everybody has has their own journey. Um, I, I, I wrote this book to help parents because uh, I think parents um, find themselves lost when they discover that they have a child who's smoking marijuana or drinking alcohol or using all of these drugs. Um, I've sat in, I don't know how many meetings with parents where I have, where I have outlined the history of their child's substance abuse and and one of the more common reactions that I heard from parents was, we had no idea this, this was going on. They were totally shocked uh, to, to to hear their their child's substance abuse history. So parents are really at a loss of okay, what do I do? What are the warning signs? Where do I go from here? Because so many parents feel guilty. How did I miss the warning signs? What did I what did I do wrong? That. I wanted to give them a resource that would assure them that, you know, if they do certain things, if they look for certain warning signs, there is hope for them. And if they do have a child who's abusing substances, where can they go for, for treatment? What kind of assessments do they need to, need to get done? And, and, and give them a little bit of education about how these drugs act within the adolescent brain how these drugs interact with a growing, developing adolescent brain to influence behaviors that parents usually find objectionable. Mm. So a lot of this is to give them education, give them warning signs, and give them hope that, 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 that their child can recover from this. Mm. Yeah. Um, when it comes to that whole uh, process, how, how difficult is it to navigate through because there's so many things going on with the teenager like they're probably still going through puberty like you know they're, they're just the 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 chemicals in their body are your pressure you know all, yeah all of that um what is that process like are a lot of the students and the parents more open are they are the is the teenager more uh, resistant what has been your uh, experience through that process well um what I found is that, um, you know, adolescents take drugs for a lot of different reasons. Some of them take it just to get high. Some of it 
because of peer pressure, some of it due, due to just wanting to fit in. But a large number of, of, of adolescents that I worked with were using alcohol or substances to medicate an underlying psychological issue. Um, they, were, they, were, they were experiencing what I call intolerable feelings or thoughts or memories. And the use of the substance was basically to medicate that. Uh, a good example is marijuana. Most of the young men and women that I worked with who were smoking marijuana, and they were smoking a lot of marijuana multiple times a day, when I asked them to help me understand why they were using marijuana, the number one response that I got from these young men and women was, it helps my anxiety. It helps me control my anxiety. Um, so one of the themes in my book is if you have a child that you discover is using a substance, you need to look beyond just the substance. You need to get assessments done to see if there's an underlying psychological reason why your child is using a substance. Because if you just treat the marijuana, if you just treat the drugs, and you don't treat the anxiety, mm -hmm. that child's very likely to continue using the drug. Um, so one of the themes of my book is one of the things that you should do when you discover your child is using a substance is get a comprehensive assessment so that you're looking not just at the alcohol and the drugs, but you're looking at the entire environment and the entire makeup of that child. Mm -hmm. Because those of us who chose the route to go through with alcohol will tell you that it, 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 it was the sip of courage that made my day a lot better. It was for me the, the 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 badge of honor I needed to go into a a situation to feel like I was as good, if not better than, although it was always there, my confidence, my self-esteem. I didn't believe that. But if I took a shot of Jack Daniels or two, mm -hmm. within 15, 20 minutes, I was bulletproof and super bad. I, you know, I could yeah. fly. And that's the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> you will jump <laughs> off the building, you will fall down, and you will boom. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. but what you speak is truth, Richard. It is there are so many deep underlying issues as to why we may pick up and do what we do, and it really is to satisfy something else totally away from. I never liked the taste of whiskey, whiskey or or alcohol, but it mm -hmm. served a temporary, short term immediate purpose so right. what, yeah what what you say it is so true had i and you know I, I would have liked to have known that i could have gone to someone um to 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 deep dig deep but you know by the time any of that made any sense to me i was long long gone so thank you for your input and your your knowledge for that you you were certainly on point sir and and what i love about the book um is that you have a workbook that comes along with the Addicted Child, a parent's guide to adolescent substance abuse uh, to help the parents uh, use the materials to help their child. Um, to talk about that, the, the workbook along with the book. Yeah, I created the workbook for parents uh, to, to accompany the, the, the primary book and, and they sort of go hand in hand with each other. And the, 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 the workbook really helps parents, um, for example, rate their child's motivation. You know, are they, are they motivated to address this issue? Are they still in denial? Um, it has them take a look at, at the behaviors. What, what behaviors 
are you seeing as a parent in your child? Um, it has them look at whether or not their child has what we call a process disorder. And those are things like uh, an eating disorder, self-injury. Um, it has them examine the type of interventions that they've done in the past. And if, if they haven't worked, why does the parent think that these interventions haven't worked? And then there are sections that help parents work through the different type of emotions that they go through with having a child who's using substances. You know, there's things like anxiety and fear. Um, and, and then they end up writing a letter to their child, which they can share with their child or not. But the point is for them just to write a letter to their child about what they as a parent have been going through, how they, how they believe in their child, how they understand that there's hope for their child. Um, and, and, and just basically share that uh, information with their child. So it's a handy little workbook that parents can use. Mostly it's geared to helping them work through this process of having a child who is uh, uh, abusing a substance. Mm, indeed. Well, the book is available everywhere. Uh, the child, the, the addicted child, a parent's guide to adolescent substance abuse. And it just educates parents on everything from the type of drugs kids are abusing and what drug use does to the adolescent brain, to the kinds of treatments that are available for uh, substance abuse. Man, your, your work, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> your work is incredible, yes, man, is. because th this is a, that is a touchy situation. It, it, it makes me think of um, the HBO show uh, Euphoria uh, starring, uh, young Zendaya, and um, she actually won an Emmy for uh, Best Actress in a uh, in a drama series for her role in that. And she plays uh, an adolescent who is recovering from um, substance abuse, from you know, with pills, yeah. and and it, and it goes through these kids in high school and what mm -hmm. they do. Wow, I just had it. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, it all, it's all coming back. It's all clicking in real time right now. Um, so, wow. So, yeah, your work is needed. And, and thank you so much for your time and coming on the podcast. Well, I, I appreciate your inviting me here. Uh, you know, my goal is really a very simple one that, that, that I hope you guys can sort of pitch in and help me with here. And that is. Uh, to, to get this information to parents so that uh, so that you know they're better aware of what to what to look for and where to go if they're in this situation because so many parents uh, find themselves alone uh, they don't know where to turn they don't know where to go for help they don't know the warning signs to look for they don't even know what kind of assessments are best for their child so I I didn't want them to to, to be alone in this fight I wanted to be able to give them some resources that not only can guide them through this, but, but just as importantly, give them a sense of hope that their child and their family can get through this and come out on the other end and, uh, uh, and move forward. Indeed. Where can people uh, keep up with you? Is it website, your social media, all of that? Um, I'm developing a website right now. It, it, it's not available yet. It's being built. Uh, it should be available in the next few weeks. It, it will probably be, um, you know, the, the addicted child. Um, in, in the meantime, um, the book, as you mentioned, is available on Amazon. You can just go to Amazon and in the search bar, uh, type in uh, the addicted child, and you'll see that there's the, the, uh, uh, an ebook that can be downloaded immediately. 
there's a paperback and a and the parent workbook that uh, are available for pre-order now. Um, and um, you know, once the website's up, they'll be able to uh, contact me. They'll be able to uh, send me any uh, questions that they may have. Um, if they contact you guys uh, with any questions, you have my email. You can uh, please uh, feel free to forward them to me, and uh, I'll be glad to help anybody out there that uh, that reaches out to you guys. Indeed, indeed. Retired addiction counselor and author Richard Capriola, whose book. The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Man, thank you so much for coming on the Public Indeed. Affairs Podcast. We appreciate it. Pleasure, Richard. Thank you, Absolute guys. Absolute pleasure. Yes, sir. For everyone else listening, the podcast will continue right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Thank you, Larry Jones, and the elephant in the room, KG, is what to do in this school season. Yep, back to school. It is, uh, it's in effect. Uh, it's happening now. Are you taking your kids back? Who knows what? We're going to talk about it all, who we have on the phone line mm-hmm. right now. Cynthia A. Trigg, she is the chief executive officer and founder of Evolution Academy, which is a public charter high school which serves as a dropout recovery center for at-risk youth grades 9th through 12th. And uh, she is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning and welcome. Hello. How are you? We're doing wonderful. Wonderful. So, um, former secondary uh, school teacher, got your own thing going right now. Um before we get into all things Evolution Academy, we, we have to know as an educator your thoughts and feelings on this coming school year and COVID-19. Well, we are definitely in unprecedented times. Um, I have um, a soaring um, number of emotions. Um, we're, we, we are... Um, there, there is fear, um, but then there is the the notion that um, we we still much must forge forward. So, as an educator and as an administrator, I understand that we're also essential, and essential meaning that without us we have a large number of students that would just not have that opportunity. And what we know about dropout recovery students is that once momentum Mm. gets in, Mm. you don't want to stifle that momentum. So I believe that the mission in itself propels us to kind of suppress the fear. And so we move forward, and that's what we are doing now. We have started our professional development. We've had to pivot, make uh, some swift moves, but our staff um, has resumed, and um, we are ready to receive our students on next Tuesday, which is the 18th. Wow. (laughs) How are you feeling about that? We've not seen our students since March, and uh, so we're um, 
we will um, return in a virtual online capacity. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm feeling really confident about that particular method because in a short, really short notice in March when the pandemic was declared, we were able to make those quick adjustments and our staff was just absolutely amazing. And so we have um, employed those same strategies that we used in March just sort of looked at some lessons learned, and we're ready to receive our kids. Um, our our parents, our students will have an opportunity to make a selection whether or not they are wanting to return after an, a possible eight-week stay, depending on the, um, the health conditions of each one of our um, campus markets. But based on the data that we're receiving from our students and our parents, um, it looks as if we are um, gearing up to provide online instruction for about 93% of our total population, each campus about 98%. Hmm. So parents had a choice and students had a choice. They've chose online learning, and we're going to forge forward and provide them with those services. Ma'am, tell us the, 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 the thought process of Evolution Academy. What, what made you want to do this, ma'am? Well, I, a former teacher first, um, then administrator, and early on in my career, I discovered as a high school assistant principal that a large number of students would start ninth grade. You may have a cohort class of about 1,000, and it wasn't uncommon to take a snapshot and then four years later you look and you have a graduating class of maybe 300. Well, that's a huge disparity in my opinion, and it's something that I thought that I would just kind of pursue once I retired, but the charter school movement um, actually um, birthed itself within the Texas um, um, market, and it allowed us to actually petition the state of Texas for an open enrollment charter to specifically serve students who had dropped out of school, those that are at risk of dropping out, and we um, were approved back in 2001, we opened our doors in 2002, and sort of the the rest is history. Mm-hmm. But it's for those students who have dropped out, at risk of dropping out, those that just may want a non-traditional method of instruction. Um, our kids come with an array of um, concerns. Sometimes it's been that they've had poor educational starts. Sometimes it's self-inflicted, and they just decided that they were not going to follow rules, regulations, and sort of bailed out of the system. But our program is in place to give first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, sixth opportunities because ultimately um, it's not where you um, it's not where you start, but how you finish. Right. Ms. Drake, what do you look for 
in, in, in your instructor when you're hiring? Well, first of all, we are looking um, for individuals that are strong in their content area, um, n- know their content, and comfortable um, being able to share their content um, where, where students would get excited about uh, about it as well. But most importantly, we're looking for individuals um, with a combination of um, I guess personalities that are strict, fair, firm, and compassionate. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I understand. So we have a, a, a large listening audience with our public affairs podcast. Uh, is, do you have a website or a social media address that we can direct to those who might want to join your staff or look into it for their own child? Absolutely. Uh, our website is www.evolutionacademy.org. Indeed. We're located in both the Dallas area, Beaumont, and Houston. And recently, we have been granted the opportunity to service students throughout the state of Texas. And so if they even think that they're wanting to obtain their high school diploma, they're welcome to reach out to us, and we're more than happy to serve Indeed, I was just uh, you were you you took kind of my thought uh, out of my head there when you mentioned uh, the campuses in Dallas and also in Beaumont. I know that you are from Beaumont, uh, but to have Evolution Academy in three separate Texas cities mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that is awesome. That, that is, is awesome. amazing. Um, how do you manage that? I mean, I know this isn't your first rodeo. You guys have been around since 2002, but in three different cities, that's a lot, Mrs. Trigg. And, 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 and all the more reason to take advantage of your, um, your remote platforms. Um, I have an amazing um, a team of um, administrators, of teachers that believe in the mission, and so um, they make the work. Um, joyful and they make um, they make me look great <laughs> in, in being able to pivot but we, um, we actually we take advantage of the opportunity um, we meet on a on a regular basis so zoom calls um, although um, it was new to many um, and, and, and to, into our staff we had slight adjustments that we, we were needing to make but we were we're accustomed to um, because we're small, we're able to really work um, in 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 unison, and so we operate on a motto that you know we may it, we're one organizations one organization multiple campuses, so we're one, and that's how we're able to approach um, being able to be in three different locations because the issues are still the same. And so we can often deploy the same um, solutions in each community. Nice. Now, I also see that you all partnered uh, with Sprint, the One Million Foundation, uh, which is amazing because with everything that is going on and a lot of students, their parents probably furloughed or got laid off and they don't have access to the internet, and you all have teamed up with Sprint's One Million Foundation to provide devices and hotspots. Yes, yes, we have. Mm-hmm. 
And these tests are assigned to each student until they graduate from high school. It is absolutely amazing. We actually begin negotiations. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So um, we begin negotiations with the Sprint One Million project. Um, It was back in last school year, I think around um, September. So around the same time and not knowing that the pandemic would even impact us, we were um, really impressed with the the opportunity. And so um, it, it's, it, it was just, you know, things lining up for such a time as this. So that's not an obstacle for us. Our students um, have the necessary technology um, that they're needing. Um, the state of Texas has been amazing um, with the project connectivity. Um, opportunity that they they have offered, and so our students will be able to start the school year with Chromebooks, with hotspots, and so that's not a barrier. That's a blessing. That is a, a tremendous. It really blessing. is, uh, Miss Cynthia. I, I did want to ask one quick question before we let you go. And KG and I are both products of uh, devout educators in our family. Teachers have been our number one number one and number one for life. So we truly appreciate you. But do you have a very special story that you can share with our listeners today of a reluctant student that came in and Evolution Academy completely turned their life around? Oh, my goodness. We, we have. <laughs> uh, we, Sorry. I, I think so many. Um yeah. There are so many that, um, but but I think most recently um, we had a young man um, to, um, he tried contacting the school, couldn't get the school, so he was um, just set on making sure that we um, knew how important and how special um, we were to him. He actually made a video from our Houston campus um, and, and just shared how there's no way he would have completed that he was just so grateful for the staff and for the counselors and the principal for not giving up and just um, very appreciative. And because of um, just all that they had poured into him that he was going to make certain that this was not the end, that this was only the beginning, but he had dropped out and been, I think he had been out of for about two years and found out about the school and just um, actually came in, began taking the courses, and he was successful. But not only that, I mean, we've had just an array of um, students. We had a set of triplets um, perhaps maybe maybe about three years ago, and they were um, just ashamed because they had dropped out. But they mm-hmm. found the school um, in the Richardson, the Dallas market, and was so um, just committed to, to, to finishing. And so they graduated um, one, two, and three. Oh, wow. um, we've had um, a young man who um, started out with us and was literally told um, by an educator, unfortunately, that um, he probably would not make it. Well, that young man now, we can call him doctor. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Um, his um, degree, uh, his doctorate degree in pharmacy was conferred. Um, last year. So, you know, as I say, an array 
of um, success stories, and we just um, we take pride in that because um, it just speaks to the um, to the work yes. of yeah. education, and that's really important. Well, clearly it is not in vain. I mean, you, you're in mm-hmm. three different cities. You've been around for 18 years and continue to excel and 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 be greater than what you are. So uh, Evolution Academy, they have open enrollment year round. So log on to the website where uh, you can enroll, where students can enroll, evolutionacademy.org. That's evolutionacademy.org. O-R-G. Mrs. Trigg, are you all on uh, social media? Because, you know, that's where the kids live. The kids live on social media. We are. We are um, um, We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. So, And that's just at Evolution Academy? Evolution Academy. Yes. Yes, at indeed. Evolution. Indeed. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't just um, because of the incredible... Uh, energy that I feel from you and you are an educator and just being a black woman it, it, it's definitely you all's time um, your thoughts and feelings on Kamala Harris being picked as the VP running mate for Joe Biden well for such a time as this but she's also a sorority sister so you I know, know. Oh, okay. I, I know. knew it <laughs> I knew it <laughs> sorority. my mama's sorority come on now <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so um, hmm. as, as I think a meme that's floating around, we are ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can't that's handle amazing. that pink and green machine. It's going to be absolutely, awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Cynthia A. Trigg, the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Evolution Academy. Mm-hmm. Log on to the site evolutionacademy.org. Uh, for open enrollment. Thank you so much for coming on, Mrs. Trigg. Thank you all so much for having me. Yes, this ma'am. is a pleasure. God bless you for all your work. Thank you. Bless you as well. And for everyone listening to the podcast, we appreciate you. We'll be back next week.